Dancers have a lot to balance. From their pirouettes to their jumps, a dancer's performance is a direct result of hard work and motivation. So where does food fit into this? There's a lot of myths and a ton of antiquated ideals about what a dancer's diet should look like. And I'm here to dispel those. I'm Rachel Fine, registered dietitian nutritionist and founder of To The Point Nutrition. I'm the dance nutritionist and I'm here to tell you that to be a successful dancer, you don't have to diet. Instead, I'll teach you how to use food as your best tool to enhance your performance. A nourishing meal plan not only fuels your dancing, but also enhances your strength, improves your balance, supports your flexibility, and most importantly, reduces your risk to injury. Yay! Hi! We did it. <laughs> Thank you, Evelyn. It is such a, I, I'm totally fangirling right now. I just need you to know that. Aww. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> well, I'm glad for everybody tuning in tonight. We are speaking with Evelyn Triblay, who is the co-author of the book Intuitive Eating and a true leader in just the anti-diet revolution. Evelyn, you are honestly the reason why I have started or am on this journey of uh, living a lifestyle that is just free from diet culture and oh. working towards building a positive relationship with food and body. And it's honestly, you are also just such a huge part in what I work to bring to a community that really needs it, which is the dance community. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So thank you for tuning in. Evelyn, because you're the expert, I would love to just get a brief description of what intuitive eating actually is. For most of the followers who are following me, they're dancers on the younger end of the spectrum. So we're talking like ages 11 to I would say 22. Okay. So probably the, the short version answer of intuitive eating, it's basically a compassionate self-care eating framework where you're in charge of your body. You are the expert of your body. And I'm going to say something that I actually said to a high school dance team. I don't even remember saying it, but this dancer I met up with me about 15 years later. She tapped me on the shoulder and said, you said something that changed my life. And I'm thinking, what yeah. did I say? And it's not that profound, but it is. And, she's, and so I gave this, this little talk and she said that I said, you dancers are athletes. You're training like athletes. You need to feed your body. You need to nourish your bodies like athletes. And the reason I'm, I'm mentioning this now is you never know what seeds you are planting, you know, and when you're pushing your body hard with all of these amazing, beautiful things that it can do through dance, we need to be taking care of our bodies and nourishing it. You know, it's, it's so profound. And I have such a, actually a love for dance. I don't talk about this, but I originally started off in um, college as a physical education major that was heavy in dance. And I wow. had some amazing dance teachers that cultivated my appreciation for it. You know, I got exposed to a lot of really beautiful things. And so I say, I want you in your, uh, in your avocation, in your arts for a long, long time. And that means nourishing your bodies that can help you perform and also help to prevent injuries. And God forbid you get an injury, you're gonna have the healing nourishment that you need to get back and, and dancing again, you know? Yeah, thank you so much. That, that is so, also so good to know. I remember when I did your certification program, you mentioned something about having a, a bit of a history or a likeness towards dance. So that always interested me. So I'm happy to hear more about that. Um, but Evelyn, 
on that track of this idea of needing to fuel our bodies as athletes, because you're right, dancers are athletes. Yeah. And they have they have increased needs when we compare them to the general population. Absolutely. Um, so this idea of performance nutrition, how it's it's so true, but at the same time, dancers tend to be type A, tend to be perfectionists, and can easily take this idea of performance nutrition and similar to the general population and, and the impact of diet culture, run with it to the 200th degree and have it turn into very unhealthy or un, I should say unsustainable habits. How, any advice for dancers that want to, you know, integrate uh, the the 10th principle, gentle nutrition of intuitive eating, but perhaps in more of a sports nutrition way um, without becoming obsessive about it? Yeah, I think you actually just named it in, in your question. And, and it's also partly in, in the name of that principle, gentle nutrition. It's not rigid. It's supposed to be flexible. The way that dancers are amazingly flexible with the bodies and all the amazing things you can do, we need this flexibility in our, in our eating because mm -hmm. one meal, one day, even one week does not make or break your nutrition. The same way as in performance with your training and your practice, one, one practice doesn't make or break your, your art or your skill set. It's what you do with consistency over time. And so I think that's something to work with. And maybe one of the challenges I've seen when I've worked with dancers and with athletes is sometimes the schedules are so grueling between school and practice or mm -hmm. practice and work and school or any combination thereof that sometimes with the intensity, you might not actually be feeling your hunger, the honor your hunger. And then that's when we need to start evoking nourishment as self-care, you know, that sometimes our hunger gets delayed when we have this kind of intensity and so there's ways of working with this and we work with this with a, a lot of athletes and so I think the biggest thing to be working on with the nutrition principle is nourishing your body with enough food enough energy that to me is one of the keys and so maybe you know even ask the question did I did I nourish my body with enough food today yeah do I know you know Absolutely. I think that's so true because dancers, especially because exercise in of itself does somewhat blunt hunger a little bit. So it does. We have that, it does. Plus, yeah. Yeah. Plus a busy schedule. I think it's easy for dancers to not just, you know, whether they have some unintended, I mean, intentional reasons for maybe falling into restrictions, but it could very also be um, unintentional to right. un under eat and not even realize that. So yeah, a hundred percent having a bit of a proactive approach to uh, fueling as a form of self-care, as a form exactly. of uh, even self-compassion. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, you're working your body so hard. It needs, it needs that energy, you know? Sure, sure. Now, my next question really falls into the body positive movement and the movement of haze, or for those who may, might be unfamiliar, this is the health at every size movement. And there are some instances of haze that are starting to just Brink the performing arts world. We are starting mm. to see, which is fabulous. It's incredible. We're starting to see a little bit of integration here where it's finally coming in to change the industry. But obviously, performing arts industry has a very long way to go because yeah. we are, yeah, we're still struggling with a lot of just this culturally constructed uh, weight stigma and what ideals are, you know, quote unquote, for dancers. Do you have any advice for dancers who are interested in diving into the work of intuitive eating, but are still have a fear or are being held back by a fear of this idea that there's still very much weight stigma in our industry? Yeah. And, and so one way we can look, I'm going to, I'm going to get kind of deep on this. Actually, mm -hmm. let me back up and, and, and also say, you know, the, 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 
the movement or the, the, the issue is health at every size. And what this mm -hmm. is, it's a social justice movement and it has to do with access that all bodies are deserving of dignity and respect. All bodies are deserving of access to, to dance. And mm -hmm. we need to be looking at disrupting cultural norms that are rooted. If you start looking at rooted where, where fat phobia and weak stigma sure. comes from, it's rooted in, in racism and patriarchy. And for those who are really curious, and maybe you're hearing this for the first time, I would start taking a look at the book by Sabrina Strings called hmm. Fearing the Black Body, The Racial Origins of Fat Phobia. And there's also, of course, you know, Misty Copeland, who's done a lot in, mm -hmm. in the field of ballet. So we need to recognize the origins of where this comes from. And, when, and I think we need to say this is not acceptable just because this was a standard uh this sure. doesn't make doesn't make it right and i think it's one of the reasons why we do see such a high prevalence of eating disorders in in the dance world you know yeah. and so you can be part of the, the the culture makers and and the changers in this and have longevity in the sport because it breaks my heart i can't tell you the amount of dancers i've worked with who have been hijacked by by eating disorders and and then they they lose their love of actually they're not able to dance because of risk of injury and because they're not medically stable and and, and so on so there's very serious consequences to this as well so one of the ways that you can start reading more about health at every size there's a website uh, and an organization called asta and that's called, that's the association for size diversity and health and you can go onto their website and they have tons and tons of, of resources. I would encourage you to check it out. Absolutely. Thank you for that. And you, yeah, that's such a great point. And it's what really hit home for me was that just because something is common doesn't make it right. And just because our industry is set in these antiquated ideals um, doesn't mean that that's what has to be. And I think that we are similar to what you said about, you know, Misty Copeland and dancers who's making huge waves in just changing our industry um, and, and creating that shift. So thank you so much for that. Yeah. Um, another question, though, a lot of teachers, choreographers, directors, they do, they're still hung up in, in these old school stigmas and they will pass comments to dancers that are often, often triggering any maybe quick tip, maybe we can teach dancers how to better respond? You know, I have mixed feelings on that because I think mm -hmm. some of those comments at the root are abusive. And yes. do we want to really teach people how to tolerate that? You know, so sure. I'd be looking more sure. at, at, um, at speaking up if you feel safe to do so. And that's where it gets really difficult when there are people in positions of power that let you into mm -hmm. a dance academy. Those kinds of things can be different. But I think we need to also start speaking up and, and having some advocacy around this, you know, Absolutely. And, and that means the people in your life, you said there's a variety of young people that might be watching this live right now and having the adults in your life be advocates, advocates for you as well, because it's not right. It's perpetuating suffering. And that's 100%. not, yeah. Yeah. And, and we did, we, for all the dancers listening, there was a great article in the New York times just a couple of weeks ago about exactly this and dancers coming forward and speaking up and not tolerating these comments and not tolerating these behaviors. So I think that these uh, professional dancers are starting to set the stage for students and younger dancers who feel that may, they might not be in a place of power, but you're right. They are in power. They're in power of their own lives. And that's, where they can start to, you know, make difference, uh, make differences and make change. Yeah, yeah. So my final question, Evelyn, has to do with joyful movement. And ah, you, yeah. yeah, so, you know, as dancers, obviously, movement is joyful movement is how we start in this, in this uh, career as a dancer. But unfortunately, I, 
I do see a lot of dancers that will turn uh, their passion for dance when it turns into a career. A li- there's always a little bit, not always, but sometimes a little bit of joy that's lost, especially mm. if they're falling into, again, the more obsessive or uh, hyper-focused mindset of wanting to perfect their performance and maybe falling into obsessive cross-training routines. Any tips on how a dancer can just check in with themselves, make sure that their movement is still joyful? Yeah, I mean, sometimes there's the work of the movement once you start getting into that level. There's the grind of it. I remember working with a professional dancer who was running to so many rehearsals that even though she had a will, rehearsals and auditions rather, and even though she had a willingness to feed her body, sometimes there would just be long hours between an audition was finished before she'd go to the next one. So it's finding ways, once again, that you're nourishing yourself because that can also be part of the grind. When you're not getting enough to eat, that creates a sense of apathy and a kind of blah you know? And so I'd be looking at some basics. What are you doing to take care of yourself in terms of nourishing yourself enough, getting enough sleep? Are you overtraining? And one way I find that can be uh, objectively look at that is working with your dance teachers or your dance advisors, whoever you have on on your team. Are you doing beyond what they say? And if you Mm -hmm. are, that might be a red flag. I'd be looking at that and running it by your trusted advisors. If you're doing beyond that, that that could be a red flag. And there's nothing wrong with having a a passion to want to excel in in your art and and to practice but we have to look at when you're going over that edge in which it also can be leading not just to the disruption of joy but but to injury and overuse and also so sometimes we see this if you're having difficulty sleeping uh, that that can be a sign of overtraining in those types of aspects so sometimes I look at what how do you connect to the joy of, of your art when are you spontaneous about movement how are you even at taking a day off and you know I I was a very serious athlete at one point in my life not a dancer but a runner you know in Mm -hmm. in, in high school college and olympic trials marathon i got very very serious about that but sometimes the point is like oh i lost my my joy and to go running in the woods or or along the ocean or something like that and and looking at those kinds of things what you connected to when you first got involved what what is it what was it about it that that made you feel alive or flourish or whatever that was and starting to connect to that too so i'd be looking at the possibility of overtraining and the possibility of of undernourishing just to see and not judging or shaming yourself based on that it's understandable you want to excel we just need to make sure that you're not putting yourself in harm's way while you're doing that you know yeah And just to add into that, uh, two things. The first is, Evelyn, I personally found a reconnection to my passion for dance after I started intuitive eating and after I read your book. Oh, isn't that something? Yeah. So thank you for that. And, And what kind of also went into that was my personal realization. I know a lot of dancers listening will relate to this, to feeling like I don't have to uh, confide to the norms of what is typically worn in a ballet class and perhaps Mm. wear even something as simple as that, wear clothing that I'm uh, more comfortable in, in dance rather than, you know, this uh, stereotypical like leotard and tights uh, uniform, but actually coming away from that and and being able to dance freer and uh, not feeling so confided by even that, uh, those stigmas. So Evelyn, thank you so much. This was so insightful. I really am truly thankful for your time and for everybody listening. Uh, Just tell us where they can find you to learn more about intuitive eating. 
Oh my gosh. Well, if you're on Instagram, obviously you are. You know what I would really suggest? I did a 10-day series beginning on January yes. 4th of 2021 that includes videos of each principle of intuitive eating. So if, you, if this is like striking a, a, a note with you and you're kind of getting curious, I think that's a nice way to go. You yes. can follow me on my Instagram. I, everything I post about just for the most part is about intuitive eating. There's our website, intuitiveeating.org, and then my personal website, evelyntrebley.com. So any of those those types of ways. And obviously connecting with you. So this is something that you're passionate about and trained in yeah. as well. So yeah. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much, Evelyn. That was so helpful. And I look forward to being in touch. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye. Have a good Bye, everybody. evening.